This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Obviously, B.O., like if you're in a shop or you're in a restaurant or something, the smell of body odor... If someone hasn't showered or they just <laughs> smell. Honestly, would there's times where it would make you vomit. Have you ever smelled someone and they're so bad you actually heave? Yeah. You can't do anything about it. You try to be nice, but you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, you just can't. Um, Michelle has said, um, sorry, Michelle has said boxing gloves too. Yeah, would, I've never really used a pair of boxing gloves before, but I, I imagine they're the exact same. You come out and they're just stinky, damp, but your sweat for ages. Absolutely rotten. Cabbage and sprouts. Dave, thanks for that. Um, I don't mind cabbage. Yes, sprouts. No, ah, no, they're nice. Um, bad breath, smelly socks, but I like the smell of bleach. Really? Oh, actually, that's Isn't one I it? hate. Bleach is so strong and horrible. No way. All right, listen. Oh, hang on, hang on. Rory says I like the smell of it. Also oh, you says, like the smell? Okay, yeah, yeah. That's the dogs good. are doing that's, good. See, good I have, I have. Obviously, cut grass on my list of what I love. Coffee, love the smell of. I love the smell of books. You know, when you open the pages of books, I really love the smell oh, of right, there's Smelling a Kindle going, ah, wow, no, beautiful. it has to be a proper book. And petrol and obviously fresh bed sheets. They are the nicest smells. Yeah. The new, what do you think about new car smell? Yes, I love a new car smell. Mm. So, so nice. Same with a couch. A new couch smells similar. It's an odd Sorry, one. Mm, that new couch couches. smell. Ode to couches. Yeah, just see it in, see it in. What, what's a Harvey Norman going around sniffing couches? Ca- going, couch can sniffer. you please leave? Can you please leave, <laughs> crazy lady? You're just there with your cat sniffing couches, going, my god. <laughs> okay, <laughs> she's here again. Oh, Is she? You. Oh no, yeah. couch sniffer Saoirse. A new book by Saoirse Lan. Um, Saoirse cool. Susan. Oh, sorry. All right. Right, okay, listen, uh, anything else? Looking for what you think is the worst smell of all time. It can be food, it can be something even worse related because apparently different smells have different impacts on our behaviour, on our productivity, on our creativity, loads of different things like that. So let us know. WhatsApp is in for free, 87 On the way next, what does MDMA, psilocybin and other psychoactive drugs have to do with treating things like PTSD, things like depression, things like addiction? We're going to be talking to somebody who has been looking into that area, who's been researching in that area and would like to see more of those psychoactive drugs in a clinical setting, not just going down the street and using these, but more of those drugs being used to treat various different mental health illnesses. We'll be talking about that next here on FM 104. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. 
Cormac and Saoirse here, and uh, we've talked about this a few, briefly mentioned it a few times on the show, and I know some people will find this hard to believe, but um, when we talk about, you know, mental health issues in Ireland and Dublin and all over the world, uh, some of the treatments that might come, might not come to the top of your mind would be using things like psychedelics or MDMA to treat mental health and, and different uh, mental health illnesses and it just sounds so completely ridiculous but there's a growing body of research uh, in various different institutions all over the world that are trying to look at the opportunities and the impact positive impact from a clinical setting by the way not going down to someone down the road to get mdma and treat it yourself but from a clinical uh, setting what the impact of mdma and psilocybin and different things might be on your mental health now joining us from uh, australia this evening is someone who is looking into the research and the opportunities that MDMA and psilocybin and those things will have on your mental health. She's an executive director and co-founder of Mind Medicine in Australia. Tanya de Jong joins us now. Tanya, how are you? Good, thank you. It's lovely to talk with you all the way in Dublin. Yeah, we're delighted to have you here because I've seen a few of these articles pop up online about the, the research in various different parts of the world that is suggesting various different uh, psychoactive drugs for, for treatments. But before we maybe chat about that, um, have you seen, uh, in, like, what is the state of mental health treatments at the moment? And are, are, like, are, is it any better, or any worse than what it was, let's say, 10 or 15 years ago? Well, it's, it's far worse. Uh, so we have a mental health epidemic, or some people say pandemic, that, you know, is far worse than the COVID pandemic and, and potentially far more long-lasting and affecting younger people much worse. So, I mean, I can talk about Australia, but these results are, are fairly similar across a lot of Western nations. So, like in Australia, one in five adults had a chronic mental illness before COVID and one in eight were on antidepressants, one in four older people a number of people taking their lives each day. And these figures are set to increase by up to 30% or potentially more as a result of, you know, the lockdowns, uh, people losing their jobs, their businesses, mm. just the fear and uncertainty that is pervading our communities. And it's a, it's a very difficult time for most people at the moment. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's a huge issue in Ireland as well. And, you know, you're giving advice to yeah. get out and do some running and jogging and stuff. Now, I find at the moment yeah. that I'm finding life very anxious because I think the phases yeah. are starting to, you know, we're, we're, we're opening up the country a little bit uh, slower than I thought we would. And it's not gone back the same. And that makes me anxious. But And I have been exercising and yeah. I still feel anxious. But what have you found yeah. uh, in your studies? Well, I mean... We're just finding that more and more people are, are feeling anxious and we're having an increasing mental illness um, incidents right across the population. And there's really been no innovation in treatment for mental illness for over 50 years. So antidepressants, you know, were originally innovated about 50 years ago. And the general treatments for depression and anxiety are antidepressants. For post-traumatic stress disorder, the treatments are even less effective. Like for antidepressants only have a maximum of 35% remission rates for antidepressants actually or psychotherapy. So people are, you know, the majority of people are not getting better from those sorts of treatments. And what we're finding is that psychedelic-assisted therapies, MDMA-assisted therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy are achieving up to 80% remission rates in 
a number of recent trials that have been taking place. And that's just after two to three medicine sessions in combination with psychotherapy. But the fact is that people cured, they no longer categorise as having depression or post-traumatic stress disorder post these treatments. And for many people, you know, a diagnosis of depression or PTSD or other mental illnesses is actually, a lot of people see that as a bit of a life sentence. It's like, I'm going to be stuck with this for the rest of my life. I'm going to be taking, you know, these drugs for the rest of my life. (laughs) You know, how, how good is it if people can actually get better and get better quickly and effectively and, yeah. Well, that would be profound for everyone, right? Do um do we know why? Because you know, someone listening to this is going to hear you know, taking MDMA and psilocybin to treat mental mm-hmm. illness is going to be such a foreign concept to because we, we I suppose mm. we've had the dangers and the fears of these drugs bed into us from a very very young age, and obviously from the street they are very mm. dangerous. But what exactly yes. do these drugs do in the brain that would help people with those different mental illnesses? Yes, also, you know, personally, just as a word of warning to everyone, I mean, we're not at all suggesting that people go out and take these recreationally. Uh, so we're talking about taking these in medically controlled environments under clinical supervision. What the medicines actually do is, particularly in the case of psilocybin, which is a psychoactive component of magic mushrooms, they're said to bypass what's called the default mode network of our brain, which keeps us stuck in our default patterns and programs, you know, and rigid often for a lot of people suffering from a mental illness, rigid thought patterns, you know, I'm not good enough, life won't work out for me, no one loves me, you know, the sort of things that Mm. go round and round. And what these medicines do is they reconnect our neural pathways, often heal damaged pathways, and then also create new pathways, increasing our neuroplasticity. And really giving us a, a, a new coping strategy and allowing a therapeutic window to open up really as these medicines take effect. They're like an intervention and some people describe them as rebooting or resetting your brain or other people describe them as defragging the you know, the dodgy hard drive <laughs> that was sort of you know, it got stuck yeah. with the same patterns and programs and then these particular medicines help us to actually cope and we become agents for our own healing as well. So instead of taking a daily tablet, it's like we become responsible and and empowered to heal ourselves through the insights that we learn in these treatments. In the case of MDMA therapy, um, that's having enormous success at the moment is in final breakthrough therapy uh, designation with the FDA in phase three trials in the U.S., for treatment of PTSD and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, is where a patient, you know, has a significant trauma or might be multiple traumas. And every time a therapist in a normal therapy tries to talk about the trauma with them, it re-triggers and re-traumatizes the patient. So it's very, very hard to go back, accept the trauma, and move forwards with their lives. But with MDMA-assisted therapy, people feel a great sense of love and connection see their therapists are able to then resolve and accept the trauma that's happened. It doesn't mean forget about it, but it does mean you can move forwards in your life and lead a meaningful, you know, purposeful life, which is something, you know, all of us aspire to. And, and for anyone who's got loved ones out there who's suffering, and there's, you know, so many millions and millions, hundreds of millions of people suffering globally, you know, we just want to see people be able to lead meaningful lives and achieve their potential as 
human beings without being afflicted, you know, for the rest of their lives by mental illness. Medicines are now being trialled for a range of other conditions. So it's not just depression, anxiety, end-of-life stress, addictions and PTSD, but now we're starting to see these medicines being trialled for dementia and Alzheimer's, anorexia and eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and also a number of trials starting to take take place for uh, inflammation and also, you know, cluster headaches. And it's really a very fascinating area. And, you know, I think a lot of people might remember that, well, no, we're probably all a bit too young for this, but, you know, back in the 50s and 60s, over 50,000 patients were healed through these medicines and they were considered the next big thing in psychiatry. I just want to ask, though, like when I think about this, obviously it sounds Mm. amazing, but there's a part of me that just worries Mm -hmm. that is this kind of a temporary escapism as opposed to fixing the problem? You know, you're kind of having a nearly, not an outer body experience, but, you know, you're you're using something to Mm. get you out of the crap that you're in instead of dealing with that? No, well, um, I mean, the wonderful thing about the, the trials is they actually show increasing remissions over time. So to give you an example of that, in the phase two trials with patients, 107 patients who are suffering from treatment-resistant PTSD for an average of 18 years, 52% of them went into remission a few weeks after having the three MDMA sessions. And at the 12-month mark, 67% of them were in remission. So this was not some transitory, you know, mind-altered state that, um, you know, they just went into temporarily. This was a state that they went into, which then opened a window for therapy to occur in. And through that therapy, or what's called the integration process, these patients were able to bring the insights and learnings that they received in the altered state they were able to bring those learnings back into their lives and apply them so that they were no longer diagnosed as having PTSD whatsoever. That's really remarkable because the normal outcome for patients receiving, you know, for emissions for patients with PTSD is around about maximum of 20% normally speaking with existing treatments. What exactly happens in like a treatment session with MDMA or psilocybin? Mm -hmm. Is it the same kind of normal counselling session except you're just given a, a pill or some medicine at the start of it? Well, there's three, there's three parts to, to actually treatment with these medicines. So the first part is preparation. So, you know, you get to, you know, talk with your therapist. They take you through what's going to happen. You build rapport with your therapist. And then there's the medicine sessions. So in the medicine sessions, you, you get given the medicine And in the case of psilocybin, you go into an altered state. So actually, you know, the therapist doesn't do that much during that session because the patient is, you know, (laughs) in another dimension. In the case of MDMA, though, the therapists have a a significant role in the medicine sessions because a lot of things may come up. And the idea is, you know, to help the patient to move through and forward from the trauma and so that's you know a very significant and important work that takes place with the therapist but the most important aspect of any of these particular processes is the integration process and that takes place after the medicine sessions and there's usually a number of sessions of integration post these medicine treatments and that's where patients work with the therapist 
to then bring the insights back into their lives and, and their work and their families and, you know, yeah. so that they can actually change. And there's this incredible window of change that opens up post-taking these medicines in medically controlled environments. Again, I reiterate. Yeah, yeah. So it's not, a, not down with your friends after a rave doing it somewhere in a field and kind of going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm cured. No. It's like, no, yeah. But suppose, that's uh, that's uh, what such a big association is. And I think um, a lot of people would still be very nervous about even going down this route. So, look, why back in the 50s and 60s, I remember kind of reading this, as you mentioned, mm. these drugs were yeah. hugely potential and like, what was it, the summer of love in the 60s and all that stuff, right? But why was there a sudden... Uh, kind of like stop to that research and why are we only getting back into it now? Yeah, well, that, that was, a, that, that, I mean, that's a terrible tragedy, really, for humanity. So basically what happened was in 1970, President Nixon had, had his war on drugs and basically made all these drugs illegal, except for alcohol and cigarettes and so on, which actually, if you look at any research on relative drug harms, you'll find that harm to self and harm to others is highest with alcohol and cigarettes and not that far behind either. And whereas down the bottom end of the scale, regarded as the most safest and non-toxic are psilocybin and MDMA. So basically what happened was that, you know, there was all these anti-war demonstrations going on for the Vietnam War and you know, he couldn't stop people protesting. So what he did was rounded up all the, the leaders of, of these groups and basically he, he attacked the, the medicines or the drugs as he saw them. And there's actually comments from his advisors saying, did we know we were lying about the drugs? Yes, of course we did. So this was an act of politics. It wasn't an act of science. In fact, many people, including Professor David Nutt, who's the head of neuropsychopharmacology at Imperial College in London, who's one of our ambassadors and one of the leaders in this space globally, says that this is the worst example of censorship of science and medical treatment in the history of humanity. And if you think about those 50 lost years from 1970 to 2020, we've seen this massive spike of mental illness, depression, loneliness, social isolation and disconnection. And imagine if these medicines might have been available through this period. You know, we might not be looking at these terrible statistics and, you know, so many lives lost and lives just not being able to be lived at their fullest because of this one act of censorship <laughs> that stopped everything. And, and at that time, of course, all research funding pretty much stopped. So it's just, uh, there's just been a renaissance in the last 10 to 15 years and there's been some 120 current or completed trials just in the last few years. And they're the ones that are showing these incredible remission rates. But this is no great surprise to scientists who were around in the 50s and 60s and some of whom are still around because they saw those results back then as well. But of course, now we have even better tools and, you know, we have amazing scans and other things that can really start to map the brain and we can see just how effective these treatments are compared to existing treatments. Uh, when do you think that this could be something that people could avail of? So there's a number of answers to that question. The first is that MDMA for PTSD is likely to be prescribable in the US in potentially 18 months because MDMA is in final stage of trial supervised by the FDA at the moment and psilocybin could follow soon after that. Psilocybin is in phase 2B trials at the moment. But in addition to that, in many countries around the world, there's special access or expanded access 
schemes for compassionate use psychiatrists basically to apply for patients on a case-by-case basis where they've run out of treatment options for the patient. So the patient has tried, you know, usually at least a couple of antidepressants or other treatments and, and the treatment hasn't worked and the patient is, you know, at risk. And in that circumstance, psychiatrists can apply to the regulators in specific countries to treat those patients and and those schemes are available for MDMA and psilocybin in uh, Switzerland, the US, Israel, I think Canada just about and actually um, in Australia as well. We have uh, an expanded access scheme as well for medicinal cannabis and that started off pretty slowly like just with a few cases per month but now there's over 4,000 approvals going through each month. That's before the medicines are prescribable on the PBS or the pharmacy benefit scheme. There are ways to make sure that these medicines can become available sooner in medically controlled environments and I encourage you all to, uh, to look for those. Well, um, so there's a, we could, I think we could talk for hours on this subject because it's so fascinating, <laughs> it's so fascinating, interesting and it's, yeah. and it's, it's so complex yeah. to see what, you know, where it's come from and how now something we would have associated mm. with street drugs and, and uh, you know, various different illicit activities are now moving into psychotherapy mm. and moving into good, more, I suppose, useful um, and helpful areas as well. So, um, we, unfortunately, we'll, we'll have to wrap mm. it up there. But um, for anyone who wants to continue to see some of the research that you guys are doing over in the uh, yeah. Mind Medicine Australia, where would be the best place to find you online? Well, no, definitely. So have a look at mindmedicineaustralia.org.org. So we're a registered charity and people can support us as well and I guess the last thing I just say to everyone out there is you know the rates of suffering are so high and it's unacceptable when there's treatments that are available to withhold those from patients who are suffering so we all need to do everything that's possible to make sure that treatments that are effective and safe become available you know sooner rather than later, I guess. Brilliant. Uh, Perfect message to leave that on. Listen, Tanya DeYoung, Executive Director, Co-Founder, Mind Medicine Australia. Thanks a million for speaking with us this evening. No, it's a pleasure. And um, please reach out to us, any of you listening out there. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Uh, a quick reminder, if you missed any of the interviews or you want to listen back to the shows in full, you can do that um, by subscribing to the Room 104 podcast on any platform that you get your podcasts from. So Spotify, Apple, the usual places. Uh, still to come on the show, uh, I want to get back to some of the text messages in about <laughs> the most disgusting smells that you've ever had. We were chatting a little bit earlier just about uh, the different ways in which smells and scents can impact your mood and your behaviour and your perception of time and your sense of creativity and productivity. And um, we were just wondering, I wanted to know your in your opinion, what is the worst smell of all time? There's tons of texts after coming in here. We seem to be a bit of a smelly bunch this evening. So we'll read some of those out in just a few moments and have a bit of music from Codeline. That's on the way now. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. And it's Cormac and Saoirse here in FM 104. Um, a few moments ago, we were just chatting about the different impacts that um, different scents and smells and odours can have on your mood and your behaviour and your perceptions and your creativity and productivity. And we just asked the question, what do you think, in your humble opinion, is the most disgusting smell that you can come across uh, in your life? 0876797104. We got a ton in. An do you know what, actually? Of messages. I, for- I forgot to say what I hate the smell of. And I've always hated it and I've always wanted to like it when I was younger is the smell of milk, cow's milk. As in like out of the fridge? 
Yeah, I absolutely hate the smell of milk. Really? I don't know why. I don't like the taste of milk anyway, but I used to want so badly to be one of those kids that had hot milk with cookies before I went to bed. So I used You're to try so and... You're so Americanized, <laughs> aren't you? Replicate uh. that. I always tried to do it. And I'd sit there and I'd heat up my milk and I would just smell it and just my stomach would turn and I'd just eat the cookies and have orange juice instead. So milk, cow's milk. Disgusting. That, that's a good one. Uh, damp washing. That is a great oh. shout. Nothing oh, more happens. horrific than that. Oh, actually, speaking of, I put a wash on yesterday and it's still in the washing machine. So that's what it's going to smell like. So I need to put it on again. Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? You, for, you leave it there, you open the door and you just get this waft of damp, disgusting... Like I don't even know how dog. to describe it. Yeah, it's just yeah. rotten. Oh, thank you for that. Um... Who sent that in now quickly? The damp towel was from. Sorry, Alan. Alan, thanks for that. That's pretty bad. Uh, the s- smell of horses. Who doesn't like the smell of horses? Well, do you not like the, you... Jacinta, do you not like the smell of horses? Why would you be getting so close to a horse? That's weird. I'm sure they um, do smell. I mean, all animals smell, don't they? A little bit, yeah, but there you go. Uh, this, is, this is a great one now. Uh, this comes in from David, and it's probably, I'd say this has been ranked the worst smelling food anyway in the world ever of all time. A, the worst uh, smelling food. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it has been numerous times. This is banned from a load of hostels. If you ever go traveling in Southeast Asia, they have signs up on the walls that say this fruit is not allowed in because it is horrific. Is it poisonous? Tuna? No, no, no. It's called. I don't think you can get it here. It's called a, a, a durian fruit. I think I don't know if that's the correct way to pronounce it. Durian or durian fruit. So it smells fruit? of. Yeah, it smells of sick and sewage. Absolutely awful how people can eat it. Yeah, it is the most vile thing in the world. Like, if you opened it, if you opened it in the office, it's so strong and so disgusting that they'd probably think there was a sewage leak and shut the entire building down and, and just get it, get rid of everyone. And does it taste like that? I've never tasted one. I just know the smell is horrific. And I remember my, my sister telling me as well that she went traveling years ago and that there's literally signs on, on the hostel walls saying you cannot bring this fruit in here because it smells so, so bad. And they sell it on the stalls. Like, it's just normal kind of part of the fruit in the fruit market over there in the shops. You can buy it, no problem. I think when you cut it open, it's just, whoo, game over. So we don't have it here? Uh, No. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't think we have it here. No, I don't think it's sold here. I wonder if you could bring it home. How amazing would that be? I know people aren't in school at the moment, but imagine opening that up in a hall. <laughs> Instead of having a stink bomb so you get in trouble. Just, yeah, just, just be like, oh no, sorry, I was just having some fruit. Who's got to say, it's just fruit, it's probably my five a day. Why are you at home and eat my five a day? How dare you? Yeah, you could do yeah. that. That's a brilliant idea. Wow, a fruit yeah. that would smell that bad. That's amazing, I've never heard of that. Yeah, if you've ever smelt it, by the way, if you've ever been over that neck of the woods and had it, if you've tried it, let us know if it tastes as bad as it smells. I just know that that, I think that has been voted. If you Google, like, the worst smelling food in the world, that fruit comes up. Durian. It's D-U-R-I-A-N, I think, is how you spell it. I think so, but, um, yeah, thank you for sending that in. Darren says, lads, do you remember the mortifying smell when you were a kid and the mother has identified your runner as the one as your runner, as the one that's after dragging in dog poo, why do we always sniff close up to it to be sure? <laughs> oh, yes, I do. It's just that awkward, worse. that awkward wipe on the, um, awkward wipe on the grass trying to get off. It's, it's nothing worse when you don't realise it and then a few moments later you're just walking along and you're like, is that? Yeah, what, what is that? And then you, then you realise that and it's in all the grooves of your shoe and the grippy grooves of your shoe and you just can't get it out. Disgusting. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty bad, all right. Ugh. Yes, you can get the durian fruit here in the Asia market. Can you actually get it here? No. Oh my God, Alan, do you please. speak the truth? We need to have this. We need to try it. And obviously the markets are, I imagine, are closed. Um, Joe, that'd be perfect for getting people um, away from crowded places. So instead of trying to break up uh, riots and protests around the world using like cannons and rubber bullets and tear gas, you start dumping a load of fruit, <laughs> dumping a load of this durian fruit to play with the place and go, right, lads, let's see you protest with this. I wonder if the rats would actually be horrified by that as well or would they be happy to eat that? Uh, I don't know. Do I they rats, have taste? I think rats would eat absolutely anything. True. Absolutely anything. Someone says Dettol is amazing. Dettol? No. No, no, no. I can't stand any bleach products or Dettol or anything like that. I do like the smell of paint, though, which, again, is not a good thing. No. I love the smell of paint. And, you know, funnily enough, and this is also something I shouldn't like, so these are kind of smells that you like that you shouldn't like, the smell of smoking. I love the smell of a cigarette, and I've never smoked in my life, would never try smoking, hate smoking, but I love the smell of it. That's how they try and get you in, Susha. But I even like the smell of smoke on someone's clothes. You know when people go, oh, the oh, that's smell horrible, of, that's the smell of like, the, the cigarette smoke on someone's jacket. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, no, 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 that's rotten. Absolutely yeah, disgusting. If you've ever like been out in a smoking area and you know, the next day you kind of wake up and you smell your clothes, it's just something, oh, no. rotten. I don't shower for days after that. <laughs> and they're sniffing right. my hair. <laughs> oh, dear. But it's kind of like a Halloween, like years ago, when you'd uh, smell of a bonfire the next day. Yeah. It's fireworks. a really nice smell. What's that? Yeah. What is, the, is it the... What's in matches? I don't know. What's the, what are matches made of? That smells nice. Yeah, they do smell nice, by the What's way. The thing on the tip of matches? They used to have them on black hats back in the day. The dangerous, illegal black hats. The ones that you could strike off the top of the... Uh, off the packet, they didn't have a fuse. They had yes. the what was that called? What is what's the stuff called? <sighs> Someone was going to text it in. I have no idea. 
I wouldn't mean I would never have been playing with matches. Very dangerous. Yeah, do I have a packet there near near my fire? No, I don't. Sulfur. Is it sulfur? Um, is that correct? Is. Simone, is it sulfur? Is that what's on matches? Yeah, maybe it is. Another horrible what? smell, nail polish. You don't you don't like nail polish? No, I hate the smell of it. I think a lot of people like nail polish. I'd like no. nail polish. I think it's nice. Do you? No, I think it's poisonous. Mm. It smells too strong. It's horrible. So that's got to be on that list too. <laughs> okay. All right, listen, any other dodgy smells? Smells you just don't get to you. Smells you don't like. Smells that kind of make you go, I hear, good luck, thank you, and good night. 087-6797-104. On the way, we'll have a bit of music from St. John Roses after these. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. I saw this story and I thought it, it just, it broke my heart. Nothing worse than your neighbour's house alarm going off for hours and hours and hours on it. Oh no, there is. Yeah, there is. Uh, I have a neighbour who just started playing their piano there at 11 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> the one uh, underneath Well, this is kind of melodic. You know, are they any good at the piano? No, no, he is good at the piano, but it's all really boring old songs, so it's nothing fun. And he's also the neighbour that complains when I turn the TV up too loud. So... Yeah, that's a bit, a bit, bit, of, a, bit of an a-hole, bit of a kind of... Yeah, he is. Annoying, and annoying thing to do. I'm wondering whether to write an anonymous letter and put it under his door and be a proper Susan. Oh, you could. That'd be beautiful, actually. Yeah, no, I saw this on, on Twitter. Some guys in the city centre. There's an apartment block in the city centre and a lot of residents go mad because they're, the building across the road from them, the alarm has been going off for four days straight. I, that's ridiculous. Although, but at I, the same time, I don't know about you living in Dublin. If I ever go down the country and stay there and I'm in like peace and quiet, I get really nervous at night if I hear anything. So I'm actually quite used to the sound of dogs barking, cats meowing, the alarms going off. That doesn't nice bother me. That wouldn't, noise. Yeah, that wouldn't keep me up at night or wake me up in the morning. Um, but I thought, do new alarm systems now not go off after a while automatically anyway? Um, I didn't think it was legal to let your alarm go off constantly. I didn't think the new ones could go off or continuously go off for ages. I thought they had to kind of shut off after a while. Well, I didn't know that, but if you think about it, you wouldn't really hear an alarm going off for more than kind of 20 minutes these days anyway. So there must be some kind of system in place. But, I mean, did the person sue? Um, No, no, they just put it up online. Like, why would you do anything about it? In, in real life, when you can just get some clicks and views online, you know. Oh, that's the main sorry, thing you yeah, do. you're going to solve the problem by ranting <laughs> about it online. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, at least and get some clicks. Oh, just to do your head in, like all night as well, all day, all night, twenty four seven, and a head, an annoying alarm going off. Like, but I mean, what you could do is probably just break into the house, seeing as though the alarm's gone <laughs> off anyway, and then <laughs> yeah. maybe turn it off. And take a TV with you while you're at it as well. Kind of yeah. go here. Listen, this is this is payment compensation for the alarm going off twenty four seven, constantly non stop. Fair is fair. Yeah, the 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 neighbors here. They're not. We don't actually have loud neighbors at all. But sometimes, um, do people still give their neighbors a key? Oh, that that died years ago, didn't it? Did it? Because I still give my neighbors a key to feed the cat. And then I'm wondering. I don't actually know them at all. They could be doing anything when they come in here. Yeah, but have they given you a key no. to their place? 
No. A cop on. So would you not just give the key to your mum? No, she wouldn't be bothered coming all the way over here to feed the cat. So hang on, hang on, hang on. You're saying that someone that you don't know, uh, yeah. uh, you've given a stranger a key to your gaff? Yeah. Ah, uh, seriously, no, you haven't. Like, I don't even know their Change first names. Change your locks tomorrow. Why? Like, I mean, the they've been in here maybe two or three times and n- nothing that I know has gone missing. Do you know what I bet you they do every single night, Saoirse? I bet you that person sneaks into your house and watches sleep. That is the Just most terrifying thought at ever. At the end of your bed, breathing heavily, going... No, you see, the thing is, it's not like a singular man. It's a family, so... Yeah, Unless whole family, family are standing killers. over me, that, that would happened be Happened before? It's happened before? Not here. No, I'm a trusting Hello. person. Hello, You know Saoirse. good people when you meet them. No, you don't. Think you think fun. you do. Everyone, everyone's got their skeletons. Yeah, I'm sure. Look, I'm nosy as well. If someone gave me a key to their house and asked me to feed their dog or cat, of course I'm going to look in the presses. You're not <laughs> going to just go in and feed the animal and leave again. You want to know exactly what they're up to. Like, that's what so I would do. you're going to go through their drawers and sn- sniff their boxers and stuff? I wouldn't sniff their boxers, but I would. <laughs> and I wouldn't go into their bed. Well, I would go into the bedroom to see what it looked like. I'd be kind of comparing it to, to my apartment. Of course oh, you'd go dear. into all the different rooms, but... Oh, dear. You know, I don't mind if they do that, but um, now you, you're making me paranoid. Of course you'd be paranoid. Actually... I would never give... Uh, and I, I know, for some reason, I think apartment blocks are, are even more impersonal than if you're in a house. Because I think if you're in, a, if you're in a, an apartment, especially if you're renting, I suppose the idea would be you're not renting there for life and me and my only there for a couple of years. I think it'd be, people don't talk to each other at all in a, an apartment block. From my experience, anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I think if no. you're in a house, people might think, if you've bought a house, obviously you're, you're planning on staying there for a much longer time, so you want to get to know your neighbours, but the psychos in apartment blocks. Yeah, but these neighbours have been here since I've been here, so it's fine. Psychos. I'm sure it's grand. Now, I probably shouldn't have brought this up at this time of night, you know? Because nope. I'm going to go to bed now thinking, oh my God, what's that noise? Yeah. So, listen, if you've ever wanted to get involved with radio, we're going to have a new opening for a co-host here on Room 104 tomorrow because <laughs> Saoirse is going to have a psycho serial killer in her gaff tonight at about 2 in the morning. So, listen, get your CVs in and who knows, you could be getting yourself a job here in F104. They could be listening. <laughs> oh my God. They could be terrifying. in your gaff right now and you wouldn't even know. No, I do have a lock on the inside of the door that I always pull across. Oh, okay. So I'd hear it. So I'm all good. Okay. Well that's, well, that's something at least, right? Uh, we have music from Disciples on the way in a few moments' time, uh, right after. Uh. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Cormac and Saoirse here on FM 104. Uh, just about to wrap up, quick reminder. Um, you can get the podcast if you missed any interviews this evening. A couple of very interesting people. One was our bartender friend from Angry, um, Angry Bartender Ireland runs a big Facebook group there just about the lack of clarity. Uh, over the bars reopening, which has since been addressed by Falter Ireland. So if you didn't see a little bit earlier on, if you're wondering when and how either your local can open up and what to expect when you go into a pub and you're looking for some late night reading this evening to put you asleep, Falter Ireland have released their guidelines for pubs reopening. It's a lovely, long, confusing document, but the 90 minutes has been increased to 105 minutes. You'll be allowed to stay in a pub. Uh, you'll have to make a pre-booking. Just treat your pub, your local pub, as a restaurant. You cannot just walk up and go in for a pint. You will have to have uh, a booking where you can only stay for 105 minutes. You'll be washing your hands 24-7. Um, you're you're going to be in one door and out the other. Carvery will be there. If uh, It will still be available in some pubs if... If there can be, uh, you know, the start of a queue and the end of a queue and social distancing adhered and a one-way system put in place. So all of that has been kind of outlined. 
and you'll be hearing more about that over the next few days. So maybe your local is going to be open as soon as well. So as we were talking to him, we were also talking to Tanya, who runs a research institute over in Australia, advocating and just encouraging more research institutes and governments to fund research into psychedelics, MDMA, psilocybin, and their effect on treating people with different mental health illnesses. So that's everything from addiction to PTSD to depression. So apparently a lot of studies show huge amounts of promise when it comes to um, overcoming uh, those kind of mental health issues. So they're up on the Room 104 podcast if you miss them, and so will the full uh, tonight's full show. Uninterrupted, you can listen back to that. So just subscribe on Apple and iTunes and the usual places and Spotify, blah, 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 blah. So I think I pretty, pretty much uh, Ayn Rodella before we go. I think I no, think we're done think for this it. evening. Was that yeah. it? Hmm, we've done, it. All, we've done all our housekeeping now. Sorry, what? I oh, sorry. I said, have we done all our housekeeping now before we go? <laughs> I think we have. Yeah, I think we definitely have more tomorrow. And actually, I have to bring up something tomorrow that's been annoying me for for ages. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.